Hello, hello. Hi. How do we start this? I think an awkward start just is a thing that we do. Anyway, hi, I'm Alyssa. Hi, I'm Chris. And you're listening to Xena Made Me Gay. In the times of brick phones, tamagotchis, and curtain bangs, the 90s kids cried out for a badass. She was Xena, the warrior princess. The kicks, the moves, the nostalgia, the queerness. Xena made us gay. And we're talking about episode three, uh, Dreamworker. I think it's one of those... I don't know if that's necessarily the strongest episode, but that's one of those that sticks in your mind. I A lot of Xena episodes right now, when I rewatch them, I'm like, oh yeah, I vaguely remember something like that. But this, I think, uh, when I heard the title, I kind of remembered it. Mm. Um, so I wanted to ask... Are there episodes like that for you that just just stick in your head and that even if you do not rewatch them for a long time, you remember the plot or the idea or something about them? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And this one uh, was was like that for me as well, because uh, I was a lot younger than you when I first watched Xena. And mm. yet um, I remember that episode very well. I, I think so the first time I rewatched this episode, was no let's let's rewind the first time i watched this episode i was about six then the first time i re (laughs) re rewatched it the first time i rewatched it i was around 20 um Mm -hmm. and now i'm around 30 and (laughs) uh rewatching it again but uh, what i was uh, saying is that i as a 20 year old i remembered a lot of it uh rewatching it uh at this point and uh i i liked it uh i think that was part of the reason that that was one of the reasons that it stuck with me i think sometimes episodes stick with you not necessarily because they're very good but because like it jumps the shark in some way or there's something just so outrageous in it uh that you can't you can't let go of it like the the episodes in in hercules where they kept turning him into different kinds of animals it's, oh gosh it's not good and yet <laughs> you will remember that on your deathbed <laughs> that's true that's true but like yeah those episodes with him being first a monkey and then a pig or like first a pig and then a monkey you can just like feel the anxiety <laughs> of the screen rise like what else can we do <laughs> yeah yeah so um i think there there are a few different reasons an episode can can stick with you uh there was one episode of um oh gosh there was an episode of sinbad that uh-huh. stuck with me a lot from my childhood and i watched sinbad even before i watched Cena. so maybe you were an i was bitty person <laughs> i was maybe four or five so these oh, are wow. very 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 um old memories and yet there was one episode of Sinbad that stuck with me forever um and I think it was just because it managed to oh hello oh uh our listeners cannot see it but there's a cat joining us in the podcast I don't know if he'll contribute his opinion but I, because I don't know whether he watched Xena or not would you say something <laughs> no fuck your podcast is his message <laughs> okay um, anyway so th- that episode of, of Sinbad I think stuck with me not because it was particularly good in fact uh, from what I can tell as an adult Sinbad was a, an absolute train wreck oh. <laughs> made on a budget of $20 per episode by poor students <laughs> in their backyard uh at least that's 
the impression that one gets uh, watching it nowadays. But anyway, there was one episode there um, that involved people disappearing. And mm -hmm. I think despite the show being generally bad, they managed to capture this moment of anxiety of people disappearing from your life that mm. even I, as a four-year-old, was really struck by in a way that just accompanied me throughout all these all these years i rewatched it um during the pandemic because of reasons Aww. um and i was like oh yes the show was incredibly bad and yet <laughs> they they managed to 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 touch on on something real in in that in that small episode so you know, sometimes they have those glorious flukes. And in terms of Xena episodes, like besides Dream Worker, uh, what can you remember? Like, I, I know that I, I know that I cannot remember the titles, but maybe just you can describe those episodes that stick out to you. Oh, yeah, I definitely don't remember any titles also because they were translated into Russian. So it's all jumbled. Uh, yeah. In any case, um, I mean, I definitely remember one of the later episodes when they have a flash forward uh mm. to i guess xena's death uh and or there is a flash forward in one of the later episode uh and i remember as a kid i was like oh in the future xena and gabrielle are still together Aww. Which means that everything is going to be all right. <laughs> I found it very comforting. I don't remember this episode at all. <laughs> we'll get to it. We'll get to it in like yeah. six years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We don't have to. We're not in a hurry. No. Um, no. So that one definitely stuck with me. Um, because I was a tiny goblin. Uh, the the episodes where Joxer sang his stupid songs. Oh God! Stuck with me. <laughs> Those episodes stuck with me for bad reasons, as you say. Like I think right now we'll see, but I think right now I'm much more tolerant to Joxer's 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 oh. shenanigans. Joxers. Yeah. Um. And uh, back then I was so irritated by his presence. Like there were episodes where he was already in the story, but he was absent for some reason. Like, I don't know, actor had prior commitment and I was like, thank God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I get it. I think other than that, there's nothing. Are there any, any episodes that, that really stuck with you? Uh, I, I remember the episodes when they play with the genre. So mm. I think the first one I remember is this weird musical episode. Remember yeah. that? Which one? I think they did a couple. Uh, I think the most obvious one where uh, they're like, they are in this giant fight, Gabrielle and Xena. Okay. And then they have those trippy thing, kind of like in this episode where like they go into some dream world and in mm -hmm. the dream world, it's a musical. And I remember... It's kind of loosely based on tarot cards. Each of the characters is a tarot card. Yeah. Oh my god. Kalista is a fool. Uh -huh. uh, Joxer is a hangman. There's Ares. There are beautiful costumes. And it's like straight up musical. They're like wow, singing song one song after the other. We'll also get to it. But I was very impressed with that. I remember none of that. And it's like a very beautiful tango song and dance between Ares and Xena. Um, and Kalista is like a, a, a character that kind of leads us into this musical play. I think uh -huh. that they really enjoyed the actress who played Kalisto and they kept thinking of things that they could give her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, makes sense. Yeah, uh, I also really liked uh, a play on Groundhog's Day episode. Remember that? Ooh, remind me. That was that was an episode where Joxa was present, and uh, it was an episode where Xena kept waking up, and the same events kept happening. Remember? I th yeah yeah vaguely vaguely. Yeah, but coming back to episode three. Uh, the dream Jeez. worker 
The Dreamworker? No, just Dreamworker. Dumb, just Dreamworker. Episode three, Dreamworker. Um, so do you want to do the honors and start us off with the episode? Sure. So we get a cold open with Gabrielle trying to intimidate a tree stump. Um, she's holding a sword, but it seems like what she's practicing is not sword fighting, but rather her trademark bullshitting. And I feel like maybe unconsciously she already knows where her strength lies. So that's what she, she practices. But then, of course, she strikes the tree stump once and the sword immediately gets stuck. So she has to have Xena uh, take it out for her. Um, when Xena comes over to, to pick up her sword, uh, she tells Gabrielle, you're lucky the tree was unarmed. <laughs> quite, quite a burn, Xena, quite a burn. Yeah, um, classic Xena. Yes, absolutely. Then Gabrielle kind of sort of asks Zena to teach her how to use the sword properly. And Zena says, no. Zena says, um, don't confuse defending yourself with using a weapon, which does not really make sense, but <laughs> no, it does. Like I, I was about to say, like, I, I feel like that's, that's one of the, um, quite a few moments already that we've had in these three episodes where the character actually does have something interesting and smart to say, despite it generally not being, you know, a show for smart people. Uh, it it definitely never marketed itself as such, and that's not how, how anyone remembers it. And yet, I feel like just in these three last episodes that, that we've seen, well, last in the sense of their last and first, first yeah, <laughs> last and first, um, you, you get what I'm saying just in these three episodes i've already had to write down a few quotes because i was like yes that's a good thought and very succinctly and and um, eloquently eloquently <laughs> expressed yeah maybe yeah i i have a few bones to pick with the morality of this episode in general kind of line of like who can kill and for what reasons and when and we'll we'll get to that i i am with you on that uh i think what i appreciate about this particular quote is not that implication because that's not what zine is saying there yeah. she's saying that in order to defend yourself you may or may not use a weapon but also, you can use a weapon and still do nothing in terms of defending yourself, which That's is true. why I think she doesn't want Gabrielle to bother with the sword business because she knows that if Gabrielle takes a sword, it will be more of a liability as opposed to helping her, which is something that we're going to see very quickly after she says that. That's true. That's true. That's kind of like a Chekhov's gun. Uh, that is going to fire very soon. Yes, but um, also to to add to to what what you were saying, uh, Zena also mentions that uh, picking up a sword means having to be ready to kill, and Gabrielle doesn't understand what that means really. So Zena says no to Gabrielle in terms of. Uh, learning how to use a sword. So Gabrielle tries a different angle. She's like, oh, but I don't want to kill. I just want to survive. And again, Xena, not faced by that. She has uh, an answer ready for that. And she says, she basically gives Gabrielle the rules for survival. She, she's like, oh, you're, you want to survive? Here's how you survive. Option A, you run. <laughs> um, option two, you surrender, and then you run. Um, or um, you can also tricky your opponents into fighting each other while you run. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then there's the final option, which Gabrielle's like, oh my god, does it involve running? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it does not. The final option is just talk yourself out of a situation. Uh, well laid out plan. It really makes sense, especially if... Uh your Gabrielle in, in the world that, that we're seeing. Um, then a group of 
baddies appears and we get uh, Zena's signature loquaciousness because uh, Gabrielle asks, what is it? And Zena says, trouble. <laughs> she just loves those one word answers. Um, anyway, uh, so the, the band of baddies, um, baddie approaches um, and politely threatens Zena and asks her to give them her horse, her gold, her weapons. And it's a, a fairly large group. Um, then they, they threaten her and they say, a surrender would be a good start. To which Zena answers, I agree. Gabrielle, take their weapons. <laughs> it's just... That's a nice one. It's so good. Like, I, I honestly, in today's media, I do kind of miss this 90s style of writing. I've been re-watching some, some 90s uh, films. I, I watched a Total Recall uh, for the first time. And it's just, it's stupid, but it works. It absolutely works. And I genuinely think that my own sense of humor comes at least partially from these one-liners that got like mixed into the breast milk that Aww. I ingested as a baby. <laughs> No, it's for just, sure, I can see yeah. that from you. <laughs> um, so the fight happens, during which, uh, as we discussed previously, Gabrielle briefly picks up the sword, but she actually looks more helpless with it than she was without. And so she very quickly drops it, and then Xena finishes the job for her. Yeah, I want to ask you a question. During that scene, there is, like, Gabrielle picks up the sword, and we kind of sort of see... Gabrielle's uh, lips move and we hear the signature Xena battle cry. Yes, I also noticed that. Right? <laughs> and I it was not clear who actually made that sound and why. Gabrielle tries to imitate Xena and she picks up the sword and she's like, I might as well battle cry while I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> or just Xena saw that Gabrielle picked up the sword and Gabrielle just like flaps her mouth because she's intimidated and Xena battle cries when she comes to the rescue. I, I don't know. I also don't know. It's it's a weird bit of editing. I I can also imagine that the, the person who was editing the episode was like, which one of them makes the cry? And <laughs> that person didn't get an answer in time and was like, I'm just going to edit it in a way that makes it unclear. Uh, so that, I can see that happening. But also, on mm. the other hand, it's a very well choreographed battle scene, I thought, because sometimes in shows and even in, in, in Xena, um, the bad guys just politely wait in line while you fight each of them individually and here we can kind of see that they're all trying to attack her at the same time and that that's not easy for her even though she's Xena. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. I think, I, I, I want to say most of the time at least someone is politely waiting. In, in yeah, these, well, in yeah. Seats. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's good that they, they made an, an effort to make it a little less obvious. Mm -hmm. So, um, while this fight happens, um, Zena and Gabrielle don't notice, but there actually are two other people in cloaks hiding in the bushes. As they do. <laughs> as, as one does. Usually, if there are two people hiding in the bushes, they're not... <laughs> Usually, when there are, people are hiding in the bushes in cloaks, they're flashers and they come out at one point. But these, these ones yeah. are there to um, look at... Gabrielle and not Zena for a change. Yes, yes. They notice Gabrielle and they recognize that she, quote unquote, has a fire in her, mm -hmm. but that she doesn't spill any blood, which is important to them. And so they decide that it would please Morpheus. And in fact, that Gabrielle is the one. Mm. <laughs> and yes, I double-checked. This is indeed a few years before The Matrix came out. And I just wonder whether the Wachowskis watched the show. Obviously, that's not where The Matrix comes from. But, I mean, uh, 
definitely Lana is a queer woman. I, I don't know what, what Lily's sexuality is. I would be surprised if she's straight, to be honest. These are 90s gals uh, with definitely some interest in queer women, given that their first ever movie was a lesbian movie. Maybe they watch Xena as well. That would be such a cool theory. <laughs> controversial, <laughs> controversial theory. How, how do you call it? The conspiracy theory? Conspiracy theory, yeah. That would be such a cool conspiracy theory. <laughs> uh, knowing that, that Xena, uh, that Matri the Matrix comes from uh, Xena's third episode. That, that would be awesome. <laughs> I doubt that it's that, but that definitely would be awesome. Getting a little bit in the gist of this episode on and like being innocent in terms of like not spilling any blood um it seems that the show has a weird fixation on not having killed anyone and they treat it literally as like the sort of virginity that you have to preserve yeah in this particular episode the the connection is very direct so Gabrielle can be a bride because she hasn't spilled any blood. Because it's like this ancient Greece through the lens of like more or less Christian morality, hmm. which is understandable. But still, they have this fixation of this not having killed uh, blood innocence slash virginity. Mm -hmm. And they place a lot of emphasis on that. And if you... If you're that, if you're like this innocent as Gabrielle Gabrielis, it's not all right to kill someone if they're if even if they're like directly trying to kill you and you have no other choice because you know you have to preserve your virginity. But if you have, and if you're like Xena, for example, well, it's all right. You can just kill people in random battles, and it's not like Xena is really, really trying to not kill anyone. Right. So either you haven't killed anyone and it's extremely important that you don't kill anyone regardless how necessary it is for you to do so or you have killed people before and at this point you might as well just go and do it on a regular basis <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely so yeah it, it has this very weird connection with like this uh what society perceives as like virgin slash not virgin so yeah, that's that's an interesting point. But anyway, um, after that, we find uh, Zina and Gabrielle uh, in town. And they're doing some shopping. Yes, and uh, while they're on the way there, they also talk about how uh, Gabrielle shouldn't have picked up that sword. And yeah. Gabrielle is kind of recognizing that it was a bad idea. And um, they they kind of end up on more or less the same page there. So in in town, uh, Zena and Gabrielle go into separate shops, and the shopkeeper asks Zena really sneaky questions about Gabrielle. Yeah, it's such a creepy sex trafficking scene. Really, like, oh, your friend? Oh, is she is she innocent? Like, she didn't kill that guy, did she? Because Zena asks like where she can report uh, the killed. Um ruffian which they have just left in the woods i assume mm -hmm. uh and he's like oh but like your friend didn't kill him did she and he has this twinkle in his eyes which is like incredibly creepy yeah yeah absolutely then um another guy um walks into the shop uh this old blind guy uh, and the shopkeeper refuses to sell things to him because uh, this, this old blind guy is an ex-mystic. Um, once you're a mystic, you're always a mystic. Yeah, I guess that's world. the implication. Um, and Zena immediately decides that she, she's not going to buy her regular thing from, from the shop and instead asks for exactly the thing that this blind guy wanted to buy uh, and just gives it to him afterwards. Yeah. Yeah, it's a nice touch that we see that um, Zina and Gabrielle do not have endless resources. So I think it's already like a second scene where they have to ration what they have uh, and they have to like pick and choose what they buy in shops. That's that's a nice touch that's like gives a reality to the series. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And then we uh, see what happens in the other shop um, and that's a weapons shop. 
which is where Gabrielle uh, comes in. And uh, the shopkeeper there is surprised to see Gabrielle because she's supposed to be by the river unless she fears Morpheus. Yeah, yeah. I, I assume that's where they gathered all the blood virgins because they know what's going to happen next. Yeah. And then naturally the guy assumes that because she's there and not hiding, she's quote unquote experienced. Another parallel with the sex. <laughs> I know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, then the, the shopkeeper knows that Gabrielle doesn't look like a fighter. And that's probably her strength, actually, as uh, she's like a hidden seed in an eagle's dung. Nice. Poetry. <clears throat> um, <clears throat> then she, uh, Gabrielle uh, wants to pick out a, a weapon. And she tells the guy that she's looking for something petite and he offers her a breast dagger a breast dagger what did you buy today gabrielle oh i went to a shop and i got myself a breast dagger a petite one a petite <laughs> breast dagger and no that's not a dagger used to pierce the breast of your enemy it's one you hide in your boobs um which is interesting because i feel like it would only work for a particular kind of boobs and only with particular kind of underwear. But that's true. Oh well. <laughs> yeah, I also I, I googled breast dagger to be like, has has that ever been a thing? And uh -huh. obviously no. If you Google breast dagger, everything you get is Xena related results because it is a very bad idea and no one will have ever made it. Um uh -huh. That's that that's fair, but I have to say that in my LARPing days, exposing myself here, role-playing games in the forests, it, it, when you're a LARPer, you do have to have all your weapons approved because like you cannot just have a random thing and kill people with it. It has to be like approved by the masters of the game. And sometimes they approve something really small, and those small things usually are carried in your boots, or if you're a gal and have as you say, a particular set of boobs, which I have, in your breasts. Okay. <laughs> so I used to, I, I like, it's a, it's not a real dagger, as you can understand, like, it's used in the game, so it's safe, it's not sharp. But I used to carry those little daggers in my boobs, and a lot of the times when I was, like, going through the forest with my party, we were searched for weapons, and nobody ever found it. So it's a good idea. Nice, nice. I mean, speaking of sharpness, yeah. that's, I think, where this whole thing kind of falls apart. Because, so the dagger is always unsheathed. There's no sheath for this dagger. No. And you just carry it in, in between your boobs. So yeah. either it's so sharp that you're constantly cutting yourself in the boobs, or it's not sharp enough and then it's not really a dagger it's just a fancy piece of jewelry yeah yeah i can see where the confusion is here but yeah. gabrielle kind of not even gabrielle but like the uh, shopkeeper stuffs it somewhere in gabrielle's loose dress and we can kind of see that it's not going to work from the get-go i mean the fact that the shopkeeper just shoves it into gabrielle decolleté himself is it seems like a bad idea for a few reasons. But you forget she's experienced. But yes, exactly. So can you imagine <laughs> you, in front of you, there is an experienced lady warrior. And what you decide to do is without asking, touch her boobies. How yeah. long do you think you're going to stay alive after that? If you're, re yeah. if, if, if you're reasoning that she's this, this warrior, don't touch ladies' boobs. Without asking, yeah, yeah. girl. With Xena, it wouldn't go over well. So. Yeah, yeah, he would <laughs> die. He would be dead. Anyway. So, Xena and Gabrielle reconvene, and then Xena immediately notices that Gabrielle's boobs look bigger, because, you know, she she's a very good friend who notices things like that. <laughs> um, yeah, and Gabrielle says that it's, oh, it's just this mountain air. I'm, I'm feeling enthusiastic or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And then Zena asks Gabrielle whether 
she found some kind of a sorcerer to enhance her boobs, which is, I guess, the ancient Greek equivalent of the penis enlargement device. Or, or, or boob jobs, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep, yep, sure. Um, but then we find out immediately that Gabrielle is not the right size, uh, or maybe her underwear isn't quite right, but either way, the, the breast dagger falls out of her dress right in front of Xena, and Zina takes it and shoves it in her own boobs. And Gabrielle says, It's not like your breasts aren't dangerous enough. Oh. Care to elaborate, Gabrielle? <laughs> what do you mean by that? To your point about like where you carry the dagger, it seems that Zina shoves it in her breastplate and not her boobs. So maybe if it's in your breastplate, it's all right, because it's also solid. I don't know. No, she puts it on... like inside of the breastplate which is where her boobs are okay then then it just doesn't work no it doesn't work it's 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 just stupid night <laughs> uh plot device plot yeah. device magic exactly also then um after this riveting boob dialogue uh we see all the vi- villagers run to their houses um because they know what's coming and it kind of reminded me of the thing I actually recently saw on Instagram because some of my friends are now living in Bali that in Bali they have those free days where everybody should stay at home and you're not allowed to turn on the light. You should sit with candlelight. Uh, Shops aren't working. Restaurants aren't working. Airports aren't working. And the idea is that the spirits need to fly through the island, see that there's no people and then fly away because the island is empty. Yeah, I think I think I've heard uh, about this from from people that that spend winters uh, on Bali. Uh, that's that I know. Huh. Yeah. So there there is, and like I think that there is some some truth to like of course not not the situation with um, Morpheus and sacrifices as we will find out later, but just those traditions of like oh there's a certain time where everybody needs to uh keep to themselves and keep at home and when you're outsiders and you don't know that the dangers are coming you're kind of like exposed to all over trouble yeah yeah so either way um suddenly everyone runs for cover and two guys with horned hats show up and fight xena she defeats them and then they magically disappear but so does gabrielle like it doesn't it's we don't really see anyone run away or hide they just boof suddenly they're not there they're super smooth yeah then uh, xena uses some enhanced interrogation techniques as uh, <laughs> bush and obama would would call them uh to talk to the bigoted shopkeeper who who refused to sell things to to this ex-mystic guy and we find out that uh it's the solstice and Mm -hmm. that means that mystics need a young maiden again like here a young maiden does she need to be a young maiden in terms of her sexual virginity does she need to be a young maiden in terms of her blood innocence does it need to be both it's all kind of unclear together yeah (laughs) yeah and uh because he says that mystics need need this young maiden Zena remembers the the old blind guy and decides to go to him for for the answers meanwhile we get to see uh what happens in the place that that these horned hat guys uh disappeared into and we find out that uh we find out that Morpheus is a goat, I think, and he's looking for a bride, and he loves candles. This is the information that we get. Yeah, he definitely loves candles, and there is a goat head there. I made a little investigation with uh, Kostya, my husband, who happens to be in religious studies, and uh, what we found out is that a goat is actually a symbol more of Hermes or Zeus in ancient Greece, but what they're referring to then, um, in this very elaborate shot with a lot of candles and a goat head, is that it's closer to like those satanic rituals uh, where uh, people worshipping the, sa- the Satan are often depicted as worshipping uh, a goat. So I think that that's this Christianity creeping in 
one more time. And in fact, what I found out from Costa that no, there were no human sacrifices uh, done to Morpheus and ancient Greece was not a place where human sacrifices were particularly popular. And what Ovid says about Morpheus is that Morpheus can shapeshift, but only in human form. So those things that we see in dreamscape actually could be just Morpheus being all of those different people that Xena sees. Okay, very interesting. Um, then we we see Gabrielle being dragged in and she's trying to reason with her captors. Uh, when she finds out that she's supposed to be Morpheus's bride, she tells them that she's just not the wifely type. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I wonder, <laughs> I wonder what that means. Then we find out that Gabrielle can only become the bride of Morpheus if she can survive several challenges, which are all fights to the death. What the fuck does that have to do with dreams? Unclear, unclear. Like, it, it, I mean... I understand that the dreams are there to have this cool sequence with Xena and her uh, past, but other than that, the fact that they chose they've chosen Morpheus as the god that is like responsible for all of it, or like whose followers are responsible for all of this, it's unclear why it was done. Sometimes in Xena, things just happen for no particular reason. <laughs> just, just go with it. Yeah. 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 Xena, meanwhile, finds the, the old ex-mystic guy and he tells her, actually, that Gabrielle will be tricked into losing her blood innocence and then sacrificed. So she was going to be sacrificed anyway. Like, either she loses her blood innocence and is sacrificed then, or she becomes the bride of Morpheus and is sacrificed, it's still sacrificed. to be the bride of Morpheus. Sure, cool, cool, cool. Catch 22 of ancient Greece. You basically you cannot survive this. Yeah. Um, then the guy tells Zena that um, she wouldn't be able to find the place where they're keeping Gabrielle in time because it's somewhere super hidden complex place. Unless Zena is the one. <laughs> yeah. And Zena's like, yeah, I'm the one. Let's go. <laughs> Let's get moving. I'm ready. <laughs> and I also like that, like, the guy is blind, right? But he's, like, groping Xena's shoulders. Just shoulders, but still. And he's like, maybe you're the one? And I don't know, like, he, was he feeling her muscles? <laughs> came to that conclusion? I don't know. I kind of thought so, too. Yeah, he's like, I don't know whether you're the one. Oh, let me, let me check it out. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Um, so then the ex mystic gives Zena some ayahuasca and wishes her luck. That is uh, so true. That is so ayahuasca. <laughs> what are you doing there? <laughs> Absolutely. Yep. Um, he tells Zena she uh, needs to make sure to find a telephone so she can safely <laughs> exit the matrix or her body will die. <laughs> Um, I mean, that, that she needs to, like, make it to, to the end of, of some dreamscape situation or, or her body will die. Um, until then, he's going to guard her body. Mm-hmm. And then he adds, don't worry, I'm a gentleman. Which is the creepiest fucking thing to say. Like, I wasn't worried about that aspect before. And now I am. For sure. And, like, he's supposed to be a good guy. It's, like, a good character, but this just, like, uh, that's very cringy and creepy. So I, I guess he just, he's gone bonkers living alone as an ex-mystic. That's the only explanation that I have. Yeah. Oh, dear. Okay. <clears throat> so, um, Xena enters the Matrix, and she has this cute kimono on. Yes, which I wonder, and I don't know if they thought of that to that extent but i wonder if that's because of her ties to the kingdom of chin that we later discover in the episode the death right yeah yeah i also thought of that but at this point we we know nothing about that yeah um and uh is greeted by um 
the warriors that she used to lead into battles who would kill people for her. So unsurprisingly, her dream passage challenges are all about her guilt, which is one mm. of her defining features. She meets a guy she supposedly killed um, called Mesmer. Again, continuing with the like dream and hypnosis uh, thing. Yeah, and like just going back to this, uh, she Zena meeting her army. Um, I think that that's the part of the episode that I enjoy a little less because, as oftentimes when like in those dream sequences or like those otherworldly sequences, everything needs to be very black and white. And her army men are like, oh, yes, we killed a lot of people for you, Xena. You just you just tell us and we'll kill them all. And it's like very expositional exposition. I did, did not enjoy that. And uh, I think that later on, it's much more subtle and interesting what happens to her in the dreamscape. Yeah, yeah. The Generally, it was all a bit cartoony. And, and I also, I think tuned out a little bit at that stage. So more and more of Xena's victims appear and they keep encouraging her to kill them again, which uh, she refuses because she says, I'm not that person anymore. Um, she yells, I'm not that person anymore. And I think that's where they disappear. <laughs> in the meantime, we see that uh, Morpheus's executive assistant uh, notices Dina's presence in the dreamscape and he sends people to kill the ex-mystic and Zena's body in the real world. Yeah, they take their sweet time to get there. Gabrielle is led uh, to her first challenge, which mm -hmm. uh, she's told will include two men who will try to stop her. She's given a sword. And um, she then goes in and tricks the two guys into killing each other, as Zena advised her to. But both of those guys really deserve a Darwin Award for how stupidly they behave. Like, they go out of their way not to kill her, and then go out of their way to kill, to kill each, each other, other instead. At the same time, they, they stab each other simultaneously after Gabrielle pretends to sneeze and then just ducks. Yep, yep, that's literally what happens. Yeah, so tricked is like a generous word about what happened, but um, I when I was watching it, I just assumed that that's like the first level of the game, um, and that's super easy to kill them, and like they should disappear and some coins should appear in their stead. And then she goes on to other levels. Um, then Gabrielle succeeds uh, and is locked in her cell again. She takes a nap and then meets Xena in the Matrix by doing that. So I, Xena is tripping on ayahuasca and Gabrielle is just taking a nap. And for some reason, they kind of meet in the same place. But sure. Be because that's that's the world of dreams, I guess that's sure. that's the thing. Or maybe um, the mystic dude just mixed in some things into Xena's ayahuasca drink that now she's able to travel through dreams and meet Gabrielle. But I really loved when they meet uh, in this dream world. Gabrielle is tearing up flower petals um, and saying, oh, sacrifice me, sacrifice me not, sacrifice me, sacrifice me not. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was very cute. Yeah, but also then Zena is like, prove to me that you're Gabrielle, but don't tell me something that I know about you because Morpheus can enter my mind and basically know all of those things. So tell me something that I don't know about you, which is a weird mind trick, but I, I guess it works. But what is interesting to me, what is fascinating to me, is that Gabby tells the story that she had six toes on her left foot when she was born. And that begs the question, could they perform cosmetic surgeries on infants in ancient Greece, just taking away extra toes? Or the toe just went missing by itself? What happened there? <laughs> yeah, she, she does say that it's gone now. Yeah. Um, where did it go? 
it's never it's never elaborated it's just you know, we don't talk about this like i mean if there's a sorcery for boob jobs maybe there's a sorcery for extra toes but yeah, yeah we, we don't yeah. know Fair enough. But actually, uh, speaking of tell me a thing I, I don't know to, to prove that you're real, I myself have done that. And now I'm wondering, oh. did I learn that from Xena? Um, okay, do tell. The first time I got really, really drunk and really, really high on weed at the same time, I was really tripping. Okay. <laughs> I did not know what was happening. And I kept having this feeling that I'm asleep and what's happening around me is not real. And oh, wow. um, I asked my partner to tell me a fact that I wouldn't know otherwise. Whoa. Yeah, because that would prove that I'm in the real world somehow. You definitely learned it from Xena. <laughs> yeah, sure. And what my partner told me was that at one point, I think in the 19th century, people in New York thought that lower Manhattan got too heavy and that they needed to cut it off from the rest of Manhattan. Okay. And that was so such a trippy fact to be given to a... <laughs> <laughs> to a person who's high and drunk and is trying to like grasp at straws to come back to reality that really did not help me at that oh, wow. but yeah it's a true fact they, they did consider it so as all of this is is happening i noticed that this episode does a lot in terms of putting time pressure on our heroines so yeah. first of all, there's Gabrielle. She, she has to defend herself, but she can only really do that for so long because the challenges keep getting more and more difficult. Then Xena can only stay in the Matrix for so long because uh, the magical ayahuasca is going to kill her uh, unless she finds a telephone booth. Um, <laughs> And then also the Morpheus gang is searching for Rosina's physical location to kill her body. So there are three different sources of time pressure. It's very dramatic, but again, there is this humor because when, uh, as you say, Morpheus executive assistant comes to wake Gabrielle up, she says, I don't suppose you want to take my breakfast order. I think that if it wasn't for those little snippets of humor and genuinely good script, that episode would be lower on my ranking, but this kind of saves it. Yeah. Um, so Gabrielle is taken to another challenge and given the sword again, but this time she decides from the get-go she won't be needing it, throws it in the fire pit that is in the, um, in the room that she's put in. Then three guys show up to kill her, but they also turn out to be absolute morons. And she manages yeah. to talk two of them into fighting each other. And then the third one into fighting the winner of the first fight. And then a plot device kills the third one. Like maybe they just they have this thing of their own where they get, like all the virgins are gathered by the lake. And all the villagers that are too dumb to lift a log are gathered there to like participate in the challenges. Yeah, or I don't know, you know how um, in old video games uh, there would be uh, NPC characters, non-playable non uh, characters that would uh, try to, to interact with, with you somehow or, or harm you in some way, but they're just like a couple of lines of code and they just are incapable of doing anything aside from like really really basic things and it seems like morpheus is just short on on devs these days and he, <laughs> he couldn't he couldn't really put any any proper uh, time and effort into into creating his uh killer guys that's true that's true their only purpose is to die so that gabriel can live yeah sure and then we go to Xena again, and she faces her first and last kill. And I found that this line of dialogue was more effective, and that's why we could have just cut out the first scene uh, with her and her army, but oh well. 
Um, but on the other hand, those guys are like acting like they're innocent little puppies and she killed them for no reason. Although I assume that the, her first kill was one of the people who attacked her village, as she says, and her last kill we just saw and he very much wanted to kill her and he attacked her. But anyways, she makes them go away and she just focuses really hard and then they're gone which is not that dramatic but i really liked that it was punctuated with a heartbeat we can hear the heartbeat as she's concentrating so i think that kind of gives us an insight of how frail her living body is outside the dream world yeah and i mean to be fair sometimes if you're dreaming and you realize that you're dreaming that does give you some power to to control things not always not fully but with some concentration as you said you can you can get yourself out of situations that you don't want to be in so fair enough i'll i'll take it <laughs> so the final challenger that xena faces in her dreamscape which actually like sounds like an early video game like play dreamscape on xbox one or whatever on sega <laughs> uh i did not play video games on console so i apologize to all the people who are like xbox one is not a real thing um me neither sorry <laughs> <laughs> um anyway so xena's final challenger in in her dreamscape is evil xena um yeah <laughs> who's is just Xena in her um, regular armor with black contacts, uh, which looks really hot. I I will I will say that. Really uh, interesting. I don't know. I I found I found evil Xena to be pretty hot. I mean, normal Xena is hot, but she's she's too much of a of a mom to me. Uh, she's yeah. too much of a mom figure <laughs> for me to just purely sexualize her. Whereas evil Xena. Well, all bets are off. <laughs> okay, okay. So they, they fight. Um, and there's some pretty cute camera trickery to conceal the body double because obviously there's only one Lucy Lawless in, in each of the shots. And then they film it in a way that you can only see the back or maybe the side of the other Xena um, so that uh, they maintain the illusion that that there are two of them. And it works pretty well. I, I think they did a good job. Yeah, or she's in the shadows. That's true. But like right. the only thing that I was that I could think about when I was watching the scene is Nega Scott <laughs> from, from uh, Scott Pilgrim vs. The World. Um, and I kept thinking that they could have bonded over garlic bread or something, but no, no. Right, yeah. So she uh, kills the the bad part of herself so that she can move on and be the good Xena that we know and love. Mm. <laughs> so um, Gabrielle, meanwhile, also faces her final challenge. She's in a cage that is continuously getting smaller and kind of pressing her towards her opponent with spikes. And uh, she's supposed to either uh, die or kill her opponent and, and thus also die, as we know, because of the blood innocence thing. But Xena defeats evil Xena in time. And then her body teleports to where Gabrielle is because of reasons. Because it's a computer game. Because it, yeah. that's how it works. Sure. <laughs> Uh, then Xena kills the baddies, including one of the baddies using her boob dagger. Um, and <laughs> Do we ever see it again? Do we ever see the book boob dagger again? I don't remember it, but who knows? Okay, we'll see. And also Gabrielle gets to punch Morpheus's executive assistant, since that's allowed. <laughs> yeah, and Xena says that she's impressed. But actually, I'm impressed by those minor priests that are in the shot, in the background, and they're just standing there, not interfering. Like, they're like, whatever comes, like, we can still be evil priests and kill people, or we can be, be good priests from now on. We're not paid enough to just do something about it. We're just not interfering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't get paid enough for this. I'm just gonna <laughs> stand and watch things happen. <laughs> 
yeah which look good for you girl um then we are back in town and we find out that the ex-mystic is now a mystic again uh because they only sacrifice corn now yes you heard it mm -hmm. correct they sacrifice corn corn, corn. corn. they sacrifice corn <laughs> Don't worry, I'm I'm a good one because the only thing I sacrifice is corn. <laughs> sure. Yep. 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 Good. Love it. Um, to be fair, that's the thing that sometimes was done. I assume sacrificing but... corn. Who says that? You don't <laughs> sacrifice corn. Like what? Let me go sacrifice some lettuce. Like what the no? <laughs> Because when you're imagining corn on a sacrificial stone and like a dagger, that <laughs> that's <laughs> not how sacrifice works. Innocent corn. And also, for some reason, the dude is now cured from his blindness. That I don't get at all. His blindness was caused by. <laughs> what? And now it's gone because. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that that clearly wasn't an underdeveloped plotline. I I could kind of see that dreamscapes and like being able to see in the world versus being able to see in the dreams. But this is just me writing the script for the writers. But it wasn't him doing that. It was Xena being being Neo and shit. The, well, I mean, he he's back at his job. Maybe Morpheus just granted him his eyesight back we don't know we don't know how morpheus actually feels about this whole thing because like usually gods are a little bit more involved but sometimes they're detached like for example a lot of warlords are going around killing people in the name of Ares, and Ares, like to a point couldn't give a fuck but sometimes he comes in and encourages them but here morpheus is like uh what are those mortals doing i i don't care i don't care yeah, yeah, maybe maybe Morpheus is on vacation or whatever, uh, doing a Lord of the Rings marathon. He just cannot be bothered. Yep. So things are good again. At the end, we have this dialogue between Gabriel and Zena about Zena being changed, and Zena, as Gabriel says, has her first attempt of wisdom with her composing this very long and cringy metaphor about the lake and the surface of the water being calm and when you throw a stone into the lake the water ripples but if even if the water is calm again the lake the stone is there and it's not part of the lake it's, it was very it was on and on and on and it was like okay and the episode that's it that, that's that's enough they tried that that definitely wasn't uh the best part but i think i think the the screenwriters wanted it to be better and then they were like no it's kind of shit and then they were like let's just lampshade it let's just lampshade it and it'll be okay <laughs> um so how many chakrams do you give this episode hmm i'm hesitating between seven and eight because it's just so memorable I feel like that should be rewarded, but also there are some boring moments and the the NPCs were really, really stupid. Um, let's go with seven. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was when I was thinking of that, I was torn between six and eight because some of the script details and as you say, one liners are really good. And in the middle, it kind of fizzles out, and the dreamscape sequences, yeah, they're they're not good. So mm. I'm kind of leaning towards six, but I'm giving giving it an eight because it's memorable, yeah, and it it kind of sticks with you. Cool. So far, I think we have like two sevens and an eight, so we're going strong with season one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is not always always the case. Like there are a few series that maybe we've already talked about it in the previous episode, actually, that don't have strong 
first episode. I think we've talked about it. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Let's not talk about it again then. Okay, yeah. and the, re- the rest of the episode we're gonna do in an ASMR style. <laughs> 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 let's 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 leave it for patreon yeah (laughs) yes that and fun pictures let's wrap it up then and bye we'll see you soon to discuss episode four of season one of cena warrior princess bye